and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. New episodes are released every second Monday, and you can get them in iTunes or Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to the show while you're there. Leave a favorable review or rating if you want to help me out and tell any friends you may have who would like to listen to this kind of conversation that they should do so. I would be very grateful if you would. You can also support the show via its Patreon campaign. There is a, a, a campaign at patreon.com slash sound of the moment. Uh, you can make a monthly donation over there of as little as $1 if you feel like this show has any value for you and you would like to help me cover my monthly costs of running it, keeping it online, making new episodes and all that stuff, then go to patreon.com slash sound of the moment. If you'd like to reach me, you can do that on Twitter at Pat Cleaver. You can also do it via the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook, and you can email me at pat at soundofthemoment.com. This is episode number 22 for the 13th of August, 2018. The Israeli saxophonist and iwi player Itai Weissman was my guest for this one. His band used to be new, recently released an album called Popular Emotions, and the track you're about to hear is entitled Binyamin. Thank you. 
My guest today is the saxophonist Itai Weissman. Uh, Itai, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, I always like to ask my guests to introduce themselves a bit up top and tell people a bit about who you are and where you come from, what you do and all that stuff. Um, um, okay, so born and raised in Israel. Um, mm -hmm. I um, started playing the saxophone from a very young age, uh, around nine years old, before that I even played piano. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in a musical family. Uh, was introduced to music from a very young age. Um, grew up uh, playing in big bands, orchestras, um, attended a music school, uh, played in bands from um, roughly around 12 years old till, till today. And um, went to Amsterdam around, uh, came to Amsterdam in 2006 yeah. to do my studies. And ever since uh, I've been here, after mm -hmm. I finished and graduated school. And uh, teaching, playing, doing, and hopefully making it. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, before we get into like maybe more detailed discussion of your work and stuff, uh, there's something that I'm I'm interested in, which is um, it seems to me like Israel is a really fruitful place for jazz musicians, especially of the like the current generation uh, um, of people. There's so many great musicians coming out of there, and I, I wonder if there's anything. I mean, obviously you went through a whole education there as a, as, as a kid and stuff. Um, so there evidently is a whole support system and stuff, but like, is there anything about Israel in general and the system over there that, that you think, um, explains this? Like, it, it seems like compared to a lot of other places in the world, it's extremely, uh, vibrant somehow, right? Yes. I mean, it's hard to say why, um, maybe because it, it is a very small country. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you count the percentage uh, of musicians that come out from such a small country, then you will say, yeah, I mean, this is very extraordinary how many, how many good musicians or, or musicians you have coming from Israel for such a yeah. small country. Um, Israel is a country of immigrants. Uh, and therefore, um, I assume that a lot of musicians uh, from Europe as well and from Africa came there and yeah. um, brought their culture to this country. And therefore, um, Probably this has something to do with it. I assume so. Yeah. Um, a lot of culture. Israel is a, is a country with a lot of culture, and I think that culture in general generates a lot of good music and uh, an awareness of, of 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 music. And therefore, maybe that's the reason why a lot of musicians came out of there. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I know there's also like a really strong like dance scene over there and stuff. Like, there's a lot of cool things happening in Israel. Yeah. Obviously, but like, what do you think it is about jazz that appeals to the Israeli like aesthetics somehow? Because it, it's it is it is a mystery. It's hard to say why. Some people say it's something about the hummus. Okay, <laughs> you know? it always comes back to hummus somehow. Yeah, so if you you know if you want to be a jazz musician, you just got to eat a lot of chickpeas in your in your yeah. lifetime, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, it is a mystery. It's hard to say why. There is no. There is no reason actually for it. Yeah. It's just, um, well, actually maybe, you know, Israel is a country which is very much related to the United States, also mm -hmm. culturally, also um, um, way of life, way of living. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I think that uh, the influence from the States um, probably brought jazz music with it yeah. to the country. And therefore people got really much exposed to it uh, yeah. from a very early age and from a very early time in the country. So, um, therefore maybe that yeah. could be a reason yeah no that makes sense and so um that's maybe another interesting like uh bridging of the gaps here which is um you decided to come to amsterdam right um and i feel like it's 
it's very mostly common for Israeli musicians to end up going to New York. Like there's right. a huge scene of Israeli musicians in New York and like there's a very attractive thing. What was it about Amsterdam that like attracted you? For me you? personally? Yeah. Well, actually, the, the, funny enough, it was just uh, an affordable way to get to study. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, um, the state has... Uh, was always uh, the option for the musicians to go to study because they thought, you know, jazz music is the United States. And I agree mm -hmm. in many, in many, uh, with this opinion. It's just that, you know, um, frankly speaking, realistically speaking, you know, uh, you got to have a lot of cash to, to go study in such places. And, um, and I was not, I was not in a situation to, 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 to do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, uh, Amsterdam came as a, as, a, as a sort of a solution place to go to because it was an English school yeah. in Europe. Um, and it had a lot of good, and, and it seemed like it had a good uh, program. Yeah. And um, so basically that's it. Yeah. No, and it does have a strong connection with the States. I feel like the Obviously, connection yes. between the Amsterdam Conservatory and the Manhattan School has always been strong and sure. um, that makes sense sure. as well. Sure. But, um, I mean, you've been here for like over a decade now yeah. and um, that that obviously stretches further than just, I came here because it was cheaper than going to New York. So of course. Like, what, what is it that made you stay, I suppose? Uh, well, I mean, um, what made me stay was not necessarily particularly about music. Mm -hmm. um, um, the Netherlands in general, I find, is a very comfortable place to live in. Um, um, especially as a foreigner, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, social benefits, um, housing, um, um, language. It's yeah. a very, it's a very, it's a very easy landing, you know, to come mm -hmm. here and to, and to, and if you find your way through it, obviously, I mean, yeah. it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, then uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a very comfortable place to live in. I mean, if I compare it to other countries, um, I think this is pretty much a very um, easy place to live in yeah. than, than other places. And musically, um, what I find in the Netherlands, um, which is a very positive thing, is there's, uh, there's a lot of options to play very different types of music. So yeah. even myself, you know, being a musician, I never um, would have, would have um, how do you say, I never gave myself the title of being a jazz musician because I always like to play other music as well, mm -hmm. other types of music. Yeah. Funk, soul, jazz, rhythm and blues, um, Middle Eastern and uh, there, are, there is, you can do this here, you know, you can yeah. play um, very, very much, uh, you can play different styles of music in the Netherlands and, 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 and it's good, you know, yeah. you, can get a, you can get work with it. Yeah. So I play with a lot of bands and I did from the beginning, in, uh, which, which bands that play a lot of different types of music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always feel like there's something about the Amsterdam scene, maybe specifically, which is that like those different scenes are not that separate somehow like in so many places it feels like if you're going to be a like free jazz improvised music guy then you sort of have to push away the other scenes to be that thing whereas here it's possible that like there are people that appear in three four five different scenes um and i feel like there's less of a like boxing people in somehow maybe yeah um i agree yeah um so the i suppose there's all kinds of things that we're going to have to talk about with you, but like the, I suppose the headline thing with you is the iwi, the electronic wind instrument. Correct. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
there's so many things to talk about with this. What, uh, what first, first of all, maybe explain to people what it is, because I don't know that every, uh, people will have probably heard it because they will have heard yeah, music the, from the, you already. The EWI uh, stands for the electric wind instrument, and it's an, uh, basically a device that was developed for wind instrumentalists to play uh, and control synthesizers. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the 70s and the 80s, where the synthesizers were very, very popular. Um, keyboard players, basically could do it, but yeah. the woodwind players couldn't, obviously mm-hmm. because of keyboard technique. So came a guy named Niles Steiner, which was a trumpet player, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, a, and a guy that was very much interested in developing modular synths, uh, as far as I know, because my knowledge is up to a certain point with this. Um, he, um, he was looking for a way to combine the two and he, uh, in the developed prototypes, uh, in the seventies, what, uh, the first one, which was called the EVI actually. Yeah. The electric valve instrument. Yeah. For trumpet players. Right? For trumpet yeah. players. Right. And then, uh, he, uh, hooked up with a, a guy named Joel Peskin, um, and they, uh, developed the EWI. Mm-hmm. Uh, prototype, which is the electric wind instrument, which is basically uh, the same instrument, but in a saxophone slash clarinet slash bassoon slash flute version. Basically, yeah. uh, the technique of, of of these these instruments, you know, that you can apply on. Yeah. Um, which is pretty much close, you know, mm-hmm. coming from saxophone, it's very close yeah. uh, to the to the same type of fingerings as we know. Yeah. On the acoustical instruments. Um. So um, this is what it is, basically. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, what? When did you first get exposed to the EWI, and what? Like, when did you decide to transition? Because it seems to me like when when I first met you, I don't know even how long ago it must have been. It must have been seven, eight years ago or something. It was kind of a thing, but not like the defining thing of who you were. Yeah. Whereas now it feels like it's kind of the label that you have somehow as you're right. the guy that is exploring the iwi and pushing the iwi in, yeah. in an interesting direction. So was it something that was always in the back of your mind? And uh, with- Yeah, so that's that's kind of, um, that's a bit of a long story, but uh, I'll try to keep it um, uh, short and defined. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, my exposure to music from a very young age, came from listening to keyboardists, mm-hmm. to keyboard players. Yeah. Um, as I said, I grew up in a musical family. Both of my parents uh, were piano players. Okay. And my father was a, uh, was a, you may say, a jazz musician that he learned by himself, but he also collected a lot of music, mm-hmm. which was related to keyboardists. And um, so, you know, I was exposed to jazz. My ticket into jazz was via guys like, you know, Joe Zavino, Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock. Yeah. And, and, and Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Uh, Larry Young. Uh, this, this sound. Yeah. This sound. And also, now that I think about it, it was not only the sound, but also the language that they played, because there was something about the way that they played this electrical instrument, which was different to my ears. Yeah. So I was always more into that than into other things. Mm-hmm. Um, saxophone came because my brother, I took the saxophone because my brother played the saxophone and he stopped at a certain point, so I took over. Yeah, okay. And then I, you know, and then I followed... Um, uh, and I, I went and studied saxophone for many years and mm-hmm. I was a saxophone player and then still am and then, you know, did, did all these things that came after that. Yeah. But 
Um, I was never satisfied with playing the saxophone mm. uh, only. Yeah. Um, so the, when um, when I was around, uh, let's say, 14 or maybe 15 years old, I went and took lesson with, uh, um, well, I would definitely say one of Israel's greatest jazz educators. Mm-hmm. His name is Eli Benakot. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eli Benakot uh, played an iwi. Okay. So I came to his lessons and I saw him you know, with this instrument and I didn't, and I was like, what is this? What are you doing? (laughs) So he showed me and explained me and he he was playing with it in the lessons all the time. So I was playing saxophone, he was playing iwi and I was blown away Yeah, because uh, finally I saw the light, you know, I saw, I saw the, the, what I was looking for and with a sort of a instrument that I can imply the technique that I know from saxophone on. So um, finally I can merge these two things together. And therefore, um, yeah. Therefore, I said, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and dive into this and gonna play with this. Mm-hmm. And um, and since then, it's been around, uh, I don't know, 14, 15 years that mm-hmm. I'm doing this. Um, obviously, when I came to Amsterdam, I was focusing my studies on jazz saxophone because that was what it was, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, I played saxophone, and that, that was my main instrument for many years. So. For example, when I got to know you, you got to know me. Yeah. I was a saxophone player. But I always had it in the back of my mind that one day uh, I will make the switch. And I was just waiting for the moment to do it. And uh, when the moment came uh, around my master's studies, I decided to uh, to make the switch. Yeah. And then since then, I'm, that's what I'm doing. But so how easy was that? Like the... Um Obviously, I'm not I'm not a saxophone player, so I don't really I'm not completely aware of this. But I know that there's this whole thing of like if you start on clarinet, it's easier to switch to saxophone than the yeah. other way around, and that kind of stuff. Like, is it the case that switching to the iwi was like very natural to you? Like, how how many different? Th- Obviously, there's a whole thing of switching octaves, playing like definitely. So um, no, it was definitely not easy. <laughs> <laughs> it was very difficult. Iwi is a total different thing. Yeah. Um, the way that it operates, the way that it works, it's a completely different instrument. I mean, yeah. the only way that you can com- compare it with the saxophone is to say the, na- the same way you play an A on the saxophone is the same way you play an Iwi, but for the yeah. rest, forget about it. It's a total different thing. It's a total different instrument um, and it takes uh, it takes a lot of time and still, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm learning a lot about how to play it um, in an expressional way, mm-hmm. um, the iwi is a very expressional instrument. Expressional instrument—that's a good word. Expressive, expressive, right? Expressive, yeah. and very expressive instrument. Which you can do, uh, which can do a lot of unnatural things in in, in many ways, if yeah. you think about it, dynamically, articulatively. Yeah. Uh, well, octaves, um, you name it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things, and also because you have all this variety. Uh, and options, it is also difficult to control them all yeah, and, sure. be, and be good in it. Um, so it took uh, some several years of hard work to, uh, to, to get to a certain, a certain level. Yeah. yeah. No, fair enough. And then um, I'm interested in the actual sounds that you use then. Like yeah. um, what... Is it actually like analog synthesizers that you're using? You're using like soft stuff. Like how, where, well, where do you generate the sound, and how, how much? I can imagine that's also. I don't know. I'm also like diving into synthesizers myself mm-hmm. lately, and it's such a completely different world to suddenly, like, 
the way you generate the sound is all is partly beforehand and choices you have to make and stuff like um that must have been a completely new process for you as well right obviously definitely 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 and um i personally um i use analog synthesizers to uh to generate my sound mm -hmm. um for the obvious reasons that it just sounds, um, you know, it sounds much more warm, much more raw, much yeah. more uh, expressive to my ears, uh, mm -hmm. less compressed. Um, but I must say that this, you know, this this question can be uh, answered in many ways. It also has to do with a lot of uh, personal flavors, you know, mm -hmm. of what people like to use or not. Because I, I definitely know, I mean, there are a lot of players who play digital software yeah. and they manage to pull out fantastic sound out of these things um which when, when i listen to them i enjoy them very much um mm. but um analog sound for me is just much more uh what i'm looking for at the moment or just uh, let's say it behaves the way that i want the sound to come out um, yeah i don't really know personally uh what i want from the sounds that i generate it's just that you know i i it's it's a lot of trial and error a lot of things mm -hmm. things that i'm trying to do and eventually I come down to something which um, feels to me um, um, a sort of a hybrid sound. Let's say, okay, so what I'm looking for basically in, the, in, in those, those sounds is a sort of a hybrid. So I'm saying yeah. I don't really want to play something which sounds too analog, mm -hmm. but yet that it has a sort of a characteristic of a woodwind. So I'm trying to find a sort of a in-between uh, sound that can also... When people listen to it, they, can, they, may, they may think there is a sort of a flute involved in here. Yeah. But not only by the sound, but also by the way I play it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also it has this, you know, rich oscillation sound, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which is um, yeah. very particular for, for analog sense. Yeah, characteristic of this um, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, is that like... It it strikes me that I, I feel like the iwi is somewhat of a misunderstood instrument, um, and I'm sure you would agree. Definitely. <laughs> um, uh, possibly because, um, I mean, I don't I don't know the history of the instrument that well, obviously, but mm -hmm. it, it seems to me like a lot of it was saxophone players basically just picking it up and um, doing one specific thing, and then not necessarily diving into it as a real instrument, right. but more simply. Um, look at this cool thing that I can do kind of and um, yeah there's some there's obviously you say you spent what 14-15 years working with this thing so, mm -hmm. and, and you're still discovering so many new things mm -hmm. so like is there is there something in the history of the instrument that like are there heroes for you of people that actually did push the barriers of this instrument oh, and first of all yes I mean first of all to the first part of your question yeah. one of the reasons that this instrument is misunderstood to my opinion is because a lot of people who pick it up think that this is just like the saxophone, mm -hmm. but not, but the electrical version yeah. of it. So people play this instrument. A lot of people play this instrument as if they play anything else on their saxophone. Yeah. The iwi is not a woodwind or acoustical woodwind. Mm -hmm. It is a different thing. It yeah. is a completely different thing. Um, and by acknowledging this and, and, and seeking other ways to play it, well, I think will generate much better results. Yeah. And if not, usually you find um, just, you know, bad examples uh, if it's online or if it's mm -hmm. been, I don't know, on any other recordings of people who are basically just don't um, fulfill the potential of this instrument and basically come out with 
very sad results. Yeah. Yeah. And you might as well just play a saxophone through a bunch of yeah, effects. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and, and this also relates to what I said before in terms of language, because for me, the iwi, when I play the iwi, I don't think like a saxophone player. I don't want mm -hmm. to sound like a saxophone player. I want to sound like something different. Yeah. And, and uh, well, this different is also a very ambiguous word to say, but Definitely not the same things I will play on the saxophone. The saxophone has its own rights and respect and yeah. it does what it does. You know, it's a beautiful instrument. It, it has its, its ways that it operates, but please don't bring it to the iwi. The iwi is a different thing. So yeah. I think the misunderstandment or maybe the bad comments or the bad, how do you say, uh, um, what people think about this instrument mm. is that it's a sort of a toy instrument. It's because people don't make the difference between this and that. They think yeah. it's the same. Mm -hmm. So that's that. Heroes... Um, most definitely. I mean, um, uh, uh, coming from jazz, you know, I heard Brecker yeah, of and, course. Uh, and I heard, uh, and I heard Judd Miller, which is, uh, a Hollywood guy that plays in a lot of movie scores. Mm -hmm. And I heard, um, well, I mean, and then I, and then, and then I started checking out and I noticed that Seamus Blake is playing the Iwi yeah. and Dana Stevens is playing the Iwi, but this mm -hmm. is more recently. Yeah. And, uh, Matt Morantz and, and, um, Maybe some others that I can remember the moment. Yeah. So the, then, then I, you know, it's it's very interesting because um, when Brecker showed up in the scene, you know, with this with this instrument, it was mm. a sort of a big wow because what he did uh, was pretty much to set the standard yeah. what this instrument can do. Mm -hmm. um, and ever since, all the players that came after him uh, are, um, you know, they try to bring their level to that particular standard and hopefully above. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why every Iwi player, when you, you know, you find an Iwi player, you're always talking about that in, in sentimental mood. Yeah. From Brecker from, you know, Steps Ahead, because mm -hmm. that was like the solo piece of the Iwi that yeah. he always picked it up in, you know, back in those days and he played yeah. this eight octave thing and everybody was like blown away. Yeah. Some way, like, you know, like if you play Giant Steps, you know, you acknowledge as a jazz musician. Yeah, sure. So that's, that's kind of the same idea. That's like the rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. So, um, yeah, so Brecker was definitely a hero um, because he was the one that, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, also introduced this instrument to, I yeah. think, uh, to the mass. Yeah. But how, I mean, how deeply did he actually explore it? Because, I mean, I, oh, I've heard much. some stuff, but... He explored uh, it very much. I mean, he... Um, um, he basically disconnected the instrument from the function of the instrument. Um, okay. What I mean is that he could play um, with an iwi, he can play a whole orchestra. Mm -hmm. If you check out his videos, his solo videos from, uh, from the early days, later on, you would always see him doing all sorts of polyphonic harmonies, rhythms, mm -hmm. um, orchestral sounds, sound effects. One man show, yeah. you know? And uh, that was... Over, that was Overwhelming. Yeah. That was it was blowing blow mining. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it was fantastic to see it and to and to understand that uh, this is all being controlled by a guy with imagination in his mind. Yeah. So definitely, he, you know, yeah, he pushed the boundaries and definitely set the standard, uh, which we all try to reach. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> but so, do you feel like um, because? Um, maybe this is a strange question, but because there's only like there's only a few names that you can list of people that really like dove into this instrument, do you feel like there's somewhat less of a burden of like um, that burden of history that we tend to feel as jazz musicians? Like if you're a saxophone player, there's 
generations and generations of incredible saxophone players that right. you are kind of like standing on the shoulders on and uh, of and you know like whether it's yeah. Coltrane, Dexter, Lester Young, all these people like there's so many different things and so many things that have already been explored about the instrument and stuff. Like do you feel like there's more freedom for you in the Iwi because surely there's some paths that are not yet explored and there's like less yeah, less of that cultural yeah, I would say so, definitely. I mean, um, the Iwi is an instrument which is undefined. I mean, you can do anything with it. So it's really up to you to um, to make things with it uh, and what you want to make out of it. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, when you talk about the Iwi, you're talking about synthesizers, you're very much in the, in the, in the area of programming and MIDI programming and synth yeah. programming. I mean, and this stuff is pretty much endless. You can reach so many results with it. Yeah. And you can do so many things with it, um, which your imagination can um, imagine. Your imagination will take you to. Yeah. So definitely, yes. I mean, yeah. the freedom is there, and I'm very keen to explore and to find things, and um, also to find my de- my identity in it. You know. Yeah. Um, so yes. Definitely. Yeah. Surely that must be really daunting as well, though. Like, to, like when there is like a completely blank canvas of. Th- what can I do with this? I yeah. can do pretty much anything. Like, is, is there ways in which you manage to limit yourself? I mean, you mentioned that you'd still want to sound somewhat like a woodwind instrument and somewhat right. like a flute. Yeah. Like, is that sufficient of a like limitation to impose on yourself that you feel like? Yeah, because this is this is what I. I mean, for me, the um, the idea is that the Iwi should be a hybrid instrument, and therefore, I don't want to lose the quality of a woodwind when I play the Iwi. For yeah. me, it is still a woodwind, but just. Uh, you know, semi, yeah. semi electronic, but not really fully electronic. So, mm-hmm. um, um, yes, definitely. I mean, uh, this is something I'm very much uh, uh, aware of when I'm playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe we should move. We should move on to um, specifically talking about the the new record that just came out and your yes, project. Very much. Um, used to be new yeah um and the record is called popular emotions right uh do you want to speak a bit about the project i mean it sounds like even though the record has come out just now it sounds like it's been a thing that's been in the making for quite a few years and and yes correct um so used to be new is a trio band uh which uh comes from a sort of a classic setup that you find in jazz music um which is a woodwind bass and drums Mm -hmm. and this is how it started um, uh, the, the real beginning was actually a saxophone trio. Yeah. Um, and then it went to a saxophone trio with a bass guitar. Mm. And then the evolution came and, and I brought the Iwi into it. And then um, the, current, the current setup is actually that all three of us in the band are playing our instruments plus keyboards. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Used to Be New is a band that um, explores um, the style of music. I don't want to say explore, maybe expose a bit too, uh, uh, too, of a serious, too of a serious word to say, but it's a band that you know that uh, pays attention a lot about the music that was generated in the beginning of the 70s, mm-hmm. the jam bands, the rock bands, the jazz rock. Yeah. And obviously being influenced with what's happening today with all the current bands and the current styles of music that have been developed from. So, you know, uh, uh, Nowhere, Kneebody, uh, um, saxophone player, I forgot his name, um, plays with Jason Lindner. 
um, Donnie McCaslin. Donnie McCaslin, thank you. Yeah. Ben Wendell and so forth and so forth. Yeah. So, um, but definitely, definitely into the jazz rock mm -hmm. um, because we are huge fans of this, of yeah. this, uh, this music and the style of music, the attitude of this music, uh, the rawness of this music. Uh, and I would, and I would even say the uh, the the humor of this music, mm. you know, because there's a lot of a lot of a lot of fun involved in this uh, in this style of music, and I and I, you know, we, this is why we do it. This is why we um, we went for this. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever had, heard somebody point out the idea of humor in jazz rock, but now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense somehow. Yeah, um, that. And I don't know if that's, uh, maybe this is an unfair statement I'm about to make, but I don't know if that humor is always like really appreciated by the audience of jazz rock. I feel like there's a lot of like jazz rock fans out there that are like kind of extremist, diehard jazz rock people kind of. And and it's true that there's there's an element to jazz rock which is like this shouldn't be taken that seriously, right? And yeah, because, I mean, uh, you know, the, the humor part comes from the idea that, you know, we can, we, we're free to do what we want. And, 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 and if we feel that, you know, we want to now, you know, juggle with our keyboards or stuff like that, mm. or, and I don't know, play squeaky sounds or yeah. if it's musical, obviously, I mean, mm -hmm. if it doesn't, if it's, it's, it's not, it's not bullshit. I mean, but there's also, a, 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 there's sort of an element, not only listening to music, but also when you see it happening, um, when you, when you see miles in the seventies, you know, when you see how these guys were playing, I mean, it, it was, it was, uh, it's, it's a lesson to be learned. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the communication, the uh, the way that they were ex you know uh, exchanging ideas, playing on top of each other, next to each other, and beneath each other, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And um, the chances that they took, you know, um, it is in some ways even funny to see, you <laughs> yeah. know. And 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 we we adore it. We adore it. We think it's yeah. great. You know, um, why not? No, sure. Um, do you want to talk a bit about your bandmates specifically? Sure. Um, the guys that join you. Um, so we have uh, Henning Luther on drums. Mm -hmm. uh, Henning Luther is uh, um, coming from Germany. Um, and I've been playing with them for many years, even <laughs> from uh, the days of my uh, uh, days in the conservatory. Yeah. So I guess... Definitely seven or eight years ago, we started playing together in all sorts of formations and and, uh, and bands and ensembles. Yeah. Um, and then we have Diego Rodriguez on bass. Um, and Diego is the, the newest member of the trio. Mm -hmm. um, and we played with other bass players before. Um, Diego's originally from Colombia. And I uh, also lives here for many years in Amsterdam. Um, the, I guess the way that this came together is because um, the chemistry of the band just formed really nicely when you have um, guys which come from a different cultural background, mm -hmm. and even different, you know, different musical cultural backgrounds. And, um, and it, it, you know, we, we clicked even on the personal level from the beginning. Um, so for us, uh, the rehearsals just went, they were just fun from the beginning. Mm. Um, this band um, is and still was and still is a lot about making fun. Mm. Um, also, when you listen to the, to the record, you're listening to something very particular. But when you see the band live, 
um, it's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. But so you say that, um, like coming from different backgrounds and, and uh, different musical backgrounds, yeah. what would you, like, is there something you can define specifically about Henning, Diego, yourself, that like, what, what are the different things that you're bringing to the table, I suppose? Well, Diego comes from Colombia and he knows a lot about uh, Colombian music, okay. uh, folk music, a lot about different types of bass lines and grooves, mm. um, dance music within this culture. I come from the Middle East, you know, and therefore mm. I know a lot about, uh, well, I don't know, but I feel, let's say, and I have a certain feeling for, for this cultural this mm -hmm. culture and, and the, the music that comes from this culture, also different grooves, different vibes. Yeah. And it comes from Germany, uh, which is also a country which was very much influenced by um, um, folk music and, uh, and uh, you know, people from, from, from the fields. But on the other hand, you know, they like rock and roll and they like yeah. techno and they like, you know, <laughs> all the most crazy out there stuff. Yeah. Dance, you know, Trans music, I don't know. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this all evolves into a certain of a, um, a, a mix of, yeah. of, of uh, different cultural backgrounds, which luckily clicked. Yeah, sure. This band, yeah. Um, I'm always interested in what the actual recording process is like for people. Like, in, in a lot of cases, it's fairly straightforward. You've got three instruments and you put microphones and that's it. But right. obviously, with you guys, it's quite a different thing. True. Um, how, or first of all, where did you record? How long did it take? What, like, it sounds to me like there's overdubbing going on, but maybe yes. that's, you know. Um, the way we approach this album is uh, to produce it, mm -hmm. meaning that we needed, first of all, a producer for it. Yeah. So uh, we asked uh, Darius Timmer, yeah. which is a producer here in Amsterdam, and we went to his studio, um, in Amsterdam West, which is actually not so far away from uh, yeah, this yeah, place yeah. where we're talking at the moment. And uh, we prepared uh, the recording with him in advance uh, in several rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And then we broke down the tracks uh, to pieces. Even one track was recorded in different pieces. So it mm -hmm. was not like a live track recorded, but actually we just recorded the first A section or the other B section or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we went and we puzzled everything together. Also, um, we, um, we gave Darius the freedom to produce the music. So as a sort of a fourth member of the band, yeah. uh, well, because, you know, we like him and we like what he does and he's a very talented guy. And, mm -hmm. um, it's also nice to have someone that is working with you to produce music because sometimes it's very hard to be objective yeah, uh, about your own music, you know. So, mm -hmm. you, so a, a different opinion is always, well, it's always welcomed. I would say, you know, I, yeah. I, I appreciate it. And this is how we rolled in the studio for around three, three and a half days. Okay. Um, and we recorded everything in pieces, and then we overdubbed. And then um, Darius produced it, obviously, uh, in the later stages of the mix yeah. and the master. Yeah. But so why? Um it makes sense to me that, that that is a choice that you would have made, but like the, the idea of, of using a producer, it seems like such a pop approach somehow um, that is fairly unusual, but then again, maybe less unusual um, nowadays. Um, what was it specifically about Darius? I mean, I, I, I've worked with him a bunch, like we've yeah. uh, played quite well, a bit Well, I mean, first stuff. of all, it's the idea, as I said before, that, um, you know, uh, from, a, from an objective point of view, Mm -hmm. uh, it is uh, for me. It is very hard to come to the studio and know exactly what I want. 
Yeah. Um, some people have, you know, are much more calculated and they know exactly what they want and they know exactly how they want to record the music and they know exactly how the record is supposed to sound in the end. Mm-hmm. I'm completely <laughs> yeah. the other way. <laughs> okay. I've, you know, my music is very broad, it's very open, it's not uh, written note by note and uh, it, it, is, it is very uh, sparsy and, and therefore it requires someone to come and puzzle things together. Yeah. That's why we went for it. Um, And and the reason why it's more related to pop music and and you ask why, well, sure, why not? I mean, we we like pop music. Uh, I like pop music. I think it's great to to produce music. Um, I think also that a record is a different thing from a live show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I support that completely. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think, you know, the studio should give you the opportunity to create things which are not possible to do live. Mm-hmm. And I always make the separation between a live show and a record. Yeah. So with all these reasons, uh, we went for it like that. Um, why Darius? Well, I know Darius, you know Darius. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work with him also in other projects. You work with him in other projects. He's yeah. a very talented guy. Uh, we just like the way that he works. His workflow is a very dedicated musician, very dedicated yeah. producer. No, fair enough. Um, I'm, uh, I'm interested in the, like, how that approach influences the way you compose your music. Like what... What does the compositional process look like for you? And and also, is it, it sounds like it's probably somewhat of a collective process. Like how much yeah. of the music, is it even possible to say, this is my tune, that's Henning's tune, that's like, or how does that work? There is no one way how <laughs> I compose my music. Um, and I think also, um, I can say that the other band members as well, mm-hmm. there is no one way. I mean, certain tunes were created from, um, you know, jamming in the, stu- jamming in the rehearsal room. Yeah. Uh, certain tunes have been created, at least on my part, by touching and playing other instruments. You know, I mean, I have a bass guitar in my house, I have mm. a, a keyboard in my house, I have a piano in my studio. So, you know, it's just like, there's always I always like move around between those instruments and I try to you know play them a bit. I can I can play a bit of piano, I can play a bit of bass, I can play yeah. a bit of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that you are disconnecting from your own instrument uh, for me uh, helped me a lot to generate music because I don't fall into certain habits. Yeah, of course. I try to write music with the iwi. I try to write music with my saxophone. And most of the time I just, you know, I hate it and I toss it away because, you know, it, it sounds cliche or it sounds, yeah, whatever. I mean, I don't like it. But there's something about playing a different instrument that, you know, makes you, um, maybe the sound, you know, I mean, not maybe actually is the sound of a different instrument kind of takes you away to a certain corner. And then usually, usually uh, I have the whole tune written down within 10 minutes. Okay. Wow. Um it's not a long tune. Mm-hmm. Most, of, most of the tunes that I write are short, are very yeah. little based. Yeah. But usually when I have them and then when, when I'm in the moment and it's, in, you know, and it's happening, usually around 10 minutes I have the whole music done. Yeah. I mean, most, most of the stuff that you hear on the record, which are from my side, well written in sessions of 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. That's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, great. I mean, again, you know, it's just this is just the way it happens. It's just I'm a very uh, spontaneous and a very um, uh, spacey guy. You know, yeah. I mean, I can just you know, I can not generate nothing for you know for from a three hour practice session, and then I can just go upstairs and you know touch the piano for ten minutes, and suddenly it comes. I mean, yeah. 
it's it's just the way I roll. It's very very messy and chaotic sometimes, but I mean, yeah, uh, it seems like it, it works. It, so. This is this is how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you so you touched on the idea that the live performance is something very different from the record, which yeah. makes sense both given the way you actually produce this record and also just in general. It's always yeah. I just feel like that's an important step. That why would I buy a record that is just a kind of a canned version of what I see you do live and vice versa. So what like what does a live performance of of USB New look like and how in with our in our band. Yeah, exactly. And and how do you deal with the fact that like it is presumably not possible to recreate well, I mean, we try to get close as much as possible. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we we keep the the, the 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 compositions, the core of the compositions stay the same. Yeah. Um. So, um, it's not that it it sounds that much far out, but in a live setting, uh, it is more f- it is focused more about the playing, and you know, if it's a solo section or a jam section, we spread out things. We play yeah. much more open. Um, we also take in mind that the live performance is not only about how it sounds, but also how it looks. Mm-hmm. Because music you also have to see to enjoy, yeah. not only to hear it. So it's also how how we how we stand on stage, what's our presentation, how we move, yeah. how we play. You know, it's all it's all coming together. It's 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 all about um, you know our face to face communication, the way we look at each other, the way we look at the crowd. So. Obviously, in a studio, you don't think about this kind of things. It's yeah. more about you know making everything fine and you know and mm-hmm. tight yeah. and and uh, spot on. But live, obviously, you know it cannot happen because we're not machines. Yeah. So we make mistakes, but we also embrace those mistakes, you know, and we go with it, you know, and yeah. and therefore we 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 approach the the live performance much more of a show. Yeah. It is as it is you know as it has been. All the time for all these years, I guess. Yeah, 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 and that's the difference. Yeah, no, fair enough. And so, what? Um, the other question that I like to ask people a lot is, what? Um, given that your music doesn't necessarily fit the bill of like the typical jazz uh, stuff, yeah, like what? What kind of performance opportunities are there out there for you? Like, what kind of venues are you approaching? Are you just kind of doing the circuit that? we would do as jazz musicians or are you trying to reach different types of places and also like different types of audiences? Like how, what is the reaction like? Um, yes, we're trying. And I mean, we're also very much aware of, uh, of even beforehand when we make the music, we, we, we think already where, to whom to bring it to actually. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not only about the ideal of making music purely for uh, my artistic point of view, which is, of course, very important, but also you got to know how to bring it to the people. And if you want to make a project which has to reach certain type of people, you also take that in mind when you create the record. I mean, yeah. this is also something which is, has to do with the production process. Of yeah, yeah. Do I approach the venues that we all approach? Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I you know, I'm um, unfortunately uh, my my skills in bookings and and um, and. Uh, uh, yeah, well, my skills in bookings basically are, you know, as as much as uh, very bad as much as every guy who doesn't <laughs> deal with bookings. Yeah. So I I approach usually the you know the the conventional ways, or I just check out what other people's where other people's play, what yeah. they play, and stuff like that. So I mm-hmm. and I try to you know write and communicate and call and this stuff. I mean, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, my knowledge in this stuff is uh, still very, very, very small. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, but we, we you know we have help from people who help yeah. who help us to uh, to create a package you know for the band and and promote the band in a yeah. certain way with a certain story. No, um, fair so enough. Yes. And, I mean, it's not not to say that you guys don't fit in the tour. Like, obviously, you guys could play Bim House, and it would make sense. Like, people are like uh, you cited a bunch of bands, you know. Whether it's yeah, Dominic I mean, Cassidy's I must say, I must band. say, I'm not really worried about this, you know. In terms of uh, this music has to be jazz. I'm a jazz musician. No, I'm you know, I'm not worried about this. For me, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it has to be groove oriented. It has to. It has to be. You know, it has to be. It has to have a clear idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the rest. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Call it what you want. Seriously, I don't really care. No, fair enough. It's I, I suppose my my the point I was making was almost the opposite of that, which is that um, it doesn't matter. Obviously, you don't need to call it anything. You don't need to call it jazz. But then in that case, there's probably a bunch of doors that are open to you outside mm-hmm. of that jazz circuit that could be explored. I mean... Yes, definitely. And, and you know, it is, it is funny. Um, we're not there yet, you know, mm-hmm. because when you are trying to reach those doors which are open to you, you find out how much you need more. Yeah. You know, in your hands before you even start talking to these people. I mean, festivals and, and you know, and, and big, big stages. Mm-hmm. You got to have much more than yeah. just a good record. You got to have yeah, all the videos, all the promotion, all the pictures, all the stories, the website, all this. So, you know, the list yeah. is long, mm-hmm. long. Yeah. And then maybe. Yeah. So, um, you know, the record, the, the record is just, you know, in the beginning, I mean, if it's a first record or a second record, this is only your visit card, you know, to yeah. start, Yeah. you know, uh, with something. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, yeah, there's a couple of other things that I want to touch upon. Um, first of all, I, I saw that you released a bunch of, uh, solo mm-hmm. recordings that you made True. under the name band of DJs. Yeah. Uh, do you, can you talk a bit about that? Like yeah, what is so, the idea there? Yeah. So this, you know, this is, um, um, one of the things that I was very much into, um, and still am from a very young age, because I, um, I saw a performance of, um, Joe Zavino, uh, playing solo. Mm-hmm. And by now you can see these performances online on YouTube. Yeah. It's a uh, performances that he made after he stopped with weather report and before he made the syndicate. So he was touring solo. Yeah. And, you know, funny enough, um, which also relates to what we talked about before with the Iwi, um, the guy, you know, is on stage playing one full hour Mm. of improvised music slash composed music and some other things, you know, pretty much embracing everything Mm. technological possible in those days to create the music. And, um, that was very, that was very inspirational for me actually to see it. And I, well, first of all, because I'm a big fan of the guy, I'm a big fan Mm -hmm. of his music and I'm a big fan of weather report and so forth and so forth. But the, the idea of pushing, um, like you said, the boundaries or, you know, being able to play everything by yourself, Mm -hmm. very inspired me. And therefore I decided to, um, embark on my own journey with this and see if I can do the same thing with the Iwi. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when I decided to do that, I started making all those videos basically to see if it's possible even, you know, I mean, the first videos that I created, 
um, are created in, you know, a friend's house that I'm just sitting in the living room and you know, mm-hmm. jamming all sorts of lines or small melodies that I created. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to see if it was even possible, you know. I mean, the iwi, even himself, you still need, you still need two hands to play on. Yeah. Uh, regardless of separate hands on keyboards. So mm-hmm. when you have two hands, you're much more in control of more stuff than one instrument. Yeah. And so I, w- I, w- I was exploring. I was seeing if, can, can I make music with just, you know, me, my iwi and my gear? Is it yeah. possible? Can, does it convince? Does it sound good? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, playing solo, you're, you're in control of everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the music that comes out is 100% yours. Um, and it's the challenge, but also the joy. Yeah. So, um, I went for it and I, I produced around five or six videos like these, I think. Uh, even I have like a, I have like a bootleg EP online from yeah. these that I made. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I named it band of DJs because, you know, uh, when I was reviewing the videos, and I was looking at them, I always find myself, you know, all the time tweaking and moving and, you know, and, and pushing a button and tweaking yeah. a button and taking a button. And so it, yeah. it kind of looks like I'm a DJ all the time with my headphones, you know, yeah. scratching records and moving. <laughs> and it was kind of like the way that I joked about myself, you know, yeah. so I call it band of DJs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. Yeah. But is that something that you're now pursuing more actively? Or is, is it just like a thing that you do once in a while? It uh, is definitely something that I will, um, that I did a couple of years before, before other projects, other projects came to place and took most of the attention, but I will mm-hmm. definitely come back to it and I will make more things with it. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah. At the moment, it's just, you know, I didn't have the time to, to spend on it, but um, it's definitely on, on my checklist, you know, yeah. I will come back to it for sure. Cool. And um, yeah, maybe one last thing. Uh, you, well, one last thing. There's a couple more things still, but um You've been teaching at the conservatory in Amsterdam sure. uh, for a few years now, right. and specifically, you've been you've been kind of uh, preaching the good word of the iwi over there. Sure. Um, do you want to talk a bit about that? How it came about? What it's like to? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I was in my master's studies, um, I was required to produce a research. This is a, a thing you have to do as a master's student in the conservatory of Amsterdam, and. Um, at that particular point, when I was looking for a subject to research, I was thinking, well, what, what, what should I spend my time on, on you know, the yeah. next two years? And um, as I said, the EU was always on the backside of my mind. And um, I thought to myself, well, I want to play this instrument, but I understand that um, there is no way to learn it. Mm. Um, or at least generate enough information to someone how to play it or to expose them to the potential of this instrument. So after this, after these thoughts, I came up with the idea to produce a a method, a learning method, first of all, for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, with the ideas that I had in mind uh, and I created a sort of a book for it, Mm -hmm. how to, Learn the iwi according to my way, yeah. um, and and uh, which I'm not saying is the way, but it's the way that I learned myself how to mm-hmm. play it. And hopefully later, if it's possible to uh, give this information forward, great. Yeah. So this was uh, the course basically. So I wrote down the course that I later started to give yeah. during my master studies in the conservatory. Luckily. 
uh, the you know the board in the conservatory when they were reviewing my my research, they found it to be very interesting, mm-hmm. and they found it to be very potential. Yeah. And they said, well, how about you give this as a as a side subject, as a, as a not as a main subject, but as a sort yeah. of a secondary subject for woodwind players? I said, great, of course. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I've been doing for uh, the last six years. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of students are you getting? Like, is it mostly saxophone players? Or as far as I can tell, there's a lot of recorder players. Actually, in the actually not there. at all. I mean, funny enough, um, most of the students that I get are classical students. Okay. Recorder players, yes. Yeah. Uh, saxophone players, yes. I also had jazz musicians and uh, jazz students, I'm sorry, uh, um, playing saxophone in my class as well. But mm-hmm. in comparison, in percentage, the classical players were much more into it mm. than the jazz guys. Um, why, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I guess, you know, um, in the conservatory in Amsterdam, there's a huge, uh, there's a department and a huge department for live electronics and classical and contemporary classical and all this yeah. stuff where they deal with a lot of electronical instruments and, mm-hmm. uh, and composition. So I think for them, it was sort of a, this is not things. This is not new. You know, this is just uh, another instrument out there. But yeah. you, know, you know, you're not. You're not. It's not overwhelming. Yeah. For the jazz musicians, this is still a sort of an overwhelming instrument. I think mm. they still don't know how to deal with it. Uh, they they have a lot of prejudice opinion about it. Yeah. You know, but it, well, you know, it's it's changing. It's changing. I I I see more and more guys getting into it. I think so. Um, but so, is there like? Uh, is there repertoire now in like contemporary music for the iwi specifically? Like, is there stuff that no. is? I mean, optimal? there is no there, there is no like a repertoire you can you can relate to, but people are creating music for this instrument yeah. and they create uh, they write music for it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, is there any other stuff? Any like stuff you're doing as a sideman? Any other projects that we haven't mentioned that you want to? Yes. Um, touch upon? Well. Um, I'm, uh, since eight years, I'm playing in an Afrobeat band called Coffee. Yeah. And Dutch band, which we, this is actually a band that I started as a saxophone player only. And by now I play the saxophone and the iwi as well. Mm-hmm. Um, fun band, fun guys. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's been some years that have been working together and we finally managed to, uh, you know, after three albums to start touring properly. We've yeah. been, been overseas. We've been to all sorts of places. yeah. Great band, you know, a lot of grooves, fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Um, I recently recorded a, a, a childhood band of mine, actually. Okay. Uh, uh, which is uh, a tri- an, yet another trio, but mm-hmm. a keyboard trio, organ trio, mm-hmm. synth trio, may say, yeah. uh, with uh, my closest friends. Uh, the name of the band is called Full Bite. Okay. Um, and uh, hopefully around September, October, the record will be out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually, we, we went to the same process as the used to be new uh, recording with okay. Darius Timmer in the studio. We went the same way, okay, we wow. produced the music. Yeah. But it was a different thing because the music that we played was music that was actually played or written 15 years ago oh, when wow. I was still back in, you know, in, yeah. in Israel, you know, playing with these guys, mm-hmm. growing, growing up together with them. So. Yeah. That uh, that is something I'm also very much looking forward yeah. to. Cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, finally, uh, I always like to ask my guests to recommend something for the listeners. Um, is yeah. there anything that you've 
that you feel like people should check out, whether it's a movie, a book, a record, a whatever? Sports. Sports? Sports okay. <laughs> what, specifically what? Um, doing sports, man, is a good thing for, you know, for keeping calm and, uh, and having a sharp <laughs> mind. I particularly, I mean, I, I've been doing boxing for a couple of years. Okay. I find it fantastic, you know, for yeah. not only for my physical uh, shape, but also for for uh, being sharp in general. Mm. And I'm, um, I mean, a lot of a lot of musicians did it back in the '60s. I mean, you know that Miles yeah. he was yeah, into yeah, it, yeah. Uh, Zavala was into it, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, there's something with it, you know, about doing sports, not particularly boxing. I mean, yeah. also playing other sports, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's a good, it's a good way to keep yourself sharp. Yeah. Get your, you know, your blood flowing in the right way. It's funny. We, uh, I just had uh, Camille Janssen on the show. Uh, yeah. He would have been the episode before this one uh, talking about his project, which is about uh, the, like, Muhammad Ali uh, yeah. and boxing, like, basically setting a boxing match to music. So yeah, it's funny how that is a through line for certain people uh, somehow. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. It's very exciting and, uh, you know... I feel like there must be something like really about uh, like time that like having like a great sense of time in, in boxing that's kind of important. Not only a sense of time, but also a sense of uh, reaction. I yeah. Think. I think that, you know, it's, you know, the, the music that we play requires a lot of fast reaction and yeah. understanding where we are in a particular point of time and yeah. to know how to move around. And I think that, you know, through sports, uh, for me, I feel at least, you know, my reaction time increases mm. and becomes much more sharp cool yeah um, that's a that's a, that's a cool recommendation it's quite an unusual <laughs> one i have to say but uh great uh itai thanks so much for being on the show thank you very much it was an honor to be here itai weissman once again please follow the links at salamom.com to visit his website uh purchase his music and maybe look for an upcoming live gig somewhere near you I'd like to thank Christian Andres from Catrio for providing the intro and outro music to this show. There is a Patreon page open for donations at patreon.com slash moment, or just follow the links at soundofthemoment.com if that's easier. And yeah, over there you can donate on a monthly basis as low as $1, and that helps me to cover my costs and keep the show up and running, keep things online and uh, producing it into the future so if you feel like helping me out that way please do so you can also help me out by telling a friend to listen to the show or by leaving favorable reviews and ratings in itunes that's also very helpful if you want to reach me do that via at pat cleaver on twitter or the sound the moment page on facebook you can also email me directly at pat at soundthemoment.com finally let's hear some more music from itai weissman and used to be new this track is called nis thanks so much for listening i'll be back in two weeks with another episode of sound of the moment